Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. I might chip out, man. I got this, yeah. And now, this is the moment you've all been waiting for. It's time to listen to Reese and Dan on the Ankle Pick Pod. Welcome back, Ankle Pickers. We are here for our regularly scheduled programming. Set the spread has already been dropped. And so if you haven't listened to that, just pause this and go listen to that. It's a banger of one. But if you have listened to that or you don't care, you're here. And we have our usual panel, the full squad. Korth Brothers. Kobe, you're mucking. You're laughing over there. What's so funny? People care, Reese. Who says that if you don't care? Well, I'm not going to can't force people to go listen to things. And Dan, with the usual technical difficulties, how are we, Dan? What up, what up? Feeling good. Really? Maybe, you know, this, maybe this recap will ruin that for you then. It, it might, but right now I'm feeling optimistic. Eyes forward. Uh, it's been a nice week of taping. I, I, I see a couple spots. Not not so many as last week, even though I came out red. Shouldn't have been. Um, but let's 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 get back in the green. I'm gonna make some money back. I guarantee. I don't. I I, I honestly, Dan, don't doubt that at all. So let's start though with what we know we have to do, and that is a recap of UFC 280. We're not going to spend a lot of time here. I know every single person listening to this watch this, so we're not going to go fight by fight. I know Kobe is ready with the bonuses, though. So, Kobe, if I do – I doubt I miss a bonus. If I do, if I do, just stop me. Um, so, I want to start with Muhammad Makayev over Malcolm Gordon because we actually had a – in our own chat, we had a little bit of a discussion here. So, Muhammad Makayev ended up finishing it via armbar, and it was a phenomenal armbar. However, I had a similar sentiment to that of the commentators that if you're going to talk like Muhammad Makayev talks, youngest champion, I'm, I'm, I'm the best. And if you're going to get the praise, you got to finish guys like Malcolm Gordon. And I know we did, but, um, you know, I, I, I almost expected a more dominant performance. Is that I wrong? definitely expected something more dominant. I don't think you're wrong at all. Um, I think a win's a win, and ultimately he's 22 years old. He'll learn a lot from this, and uh, I, I do think he's still right on track to be everything that his goals are with the youngest champion and everything, but you're right. I was, I was a little surprised in a negative way that he didn't get it done as quickly or as easily as we both expected. Yeah, I really thought it was going to be in and out of there, but hey – I cashed my ticket to Muhammad Makaya by finish, by the skin of my dick, and so I will take that. I started um, red with the under one and a half there. That, and that's, and that's a, a bet that should hit. It, it just should. If Muhammad Makaya is, is supposed to be as good as he is, and Malcolm Gordon, although he's got, he looked great, had good transitions, I'm, I'm a seller. Small, small one unit plus money. Definitely a bet I make again. So it, it's, it's not so bad. I, I made some good bets and some bad bets, both that won and lost on this card. So this one's not one that I'm mad about. And one of the good bets is coming up. But first, we got to go to Nikita Krylov versus Volkan Ozdemir. Nikita Krylov edges the decision. Mainly mentioning this because this might be fight of the night. I'm not sure. Uh, Kobe hasn't no. mentioned. but No it, love. Here's my problem. It wasn't the cleanest fight. It wasn't the most technical fight. But it was a fun fight. 
and my over one and a half hit, Dan. I did you tail that one? I know we talked. Not no over one and a half. Uh, it was the sweatiest over I've had to deal with. It, it but both these guys. I mean, there's not much to make of this. I think Krylov needs to sharpen up on the feet a little bit. Vulcan looked the best I've ever seen as far as scrambles and transitions go, which is improvement from like the, when DC used to dump them for free. So. I don't but know. ultimately, he didn't have an answer past the first five minutes. He didn't. And it's like what we say. There's levels of this, and it can't be trained. So Kyle Bahio versus Mahmoud Muradov. Danny, take it over. Go ahead, no man. Worries. Um, I thought that it was an impressive performance from Kyle. I thought that as a, what was it, plus 200 dog for Mahmoud to win a round, um, was him kind of performing his price. So if you took that dog shot, it's not a terrible bet. Ultimately, Kyle Bahio was just – Levels ahead of him. Yeah, I think my takeaway, Dan, is is Mahmoud is is still here to stay, but Kyo is the real deal. Like I'm, I was not. I did take a small stab at, at Mahmoud, and I'm not upset if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't be. So now here's something that I want to tip my cap to you. Something that I laid off, no matter even though you told me, Bilal Muhammad finishes Sean Brady on the feet. I am. I guess I'm shocked that Brady didn't try to implement grappling. I get it though. Bilal's a phenomenal wrestler in his own right. But man, I mean, it was an early, I was I was disappointed with the stoppage. I think you got to try to let it get to the bell. Um, but I, I maybe I'm a barbarian with that shit. I I also thought it was a little bit just early, but I wasn't so I wasn't so mad at the stoppage. He was getting hit and getting tagged and out on the feet, kind of. But he was on his feet. I don't know. It's not something I'm complaining about. He didn't complain. I was the thing was he didn't complain. And I was shocked at the stoppage, to be perfectly honest. But. You were on Bilal and you were shocked. Yeah. So was I. And, and it's not that – I mean, look, like Sean Brady, it was the beginning of the end. But 13 seconds in the round, he was defending himself enough. But at the same time, young guy, let him live to fight another day. You know, you don't need – Bonus to Bilal. Bonus – and well-deserved. How – Here's my question to you guys and the audience. How much longer until people stop sleeping on Bilal? Is it now? Has it finally stopped? Or is there still more that he needs to prove? I mean, what do you give him? The question is, is the UFC still sleeping on it? Does he eclipse that Colby Covington, who's what, 0-2 in his last two? And it's not very marketable, though. I mean, he's... he's he deserves a, gang- a title shot. He's a gangster. He fights so guy. intelligently. Danny hit it. What previewing last week? He always brings a good game plan in, and he—I mean, he's got results to back it up at this point. He does. He does. At this point, his only non-victory is the eye poke from Leon Edwards in the last four years. Yeah, and it was a DQ, and he was getting smoked, but still, like that's a—that gives me a better feeling if he does from the current that. champ. Yeah, current champ, exactly. Um, okay. Uh, now let's just hit the main card quick. Manon Foro uh, actually edged out Caitlin Drakakian. A lot of the people I was with, casuals, were saying this fight stinks. I was fine with it. I, I, I thought they showcased their skills exactly how I kind of thought they would, and it went exactly how I kind of thought it would. I agree with you. It was a it was the exact fight Manon needed to put down to say I'm here and I'm a contender. Yep. yep. And now and and you know what? The other thing too, I'm glad. Shevchenko is going to end up getting fresh meat too, which is awesome. Um, 
because seeing that versus Caitlin again, I'm, I'm not super interested in. Women's dogs 0-1 on the night. We had uh, Carol Rosa close over the threshold. So Yep, yep. And I don't even want to get into that because I did lay a half uni on uh, Lena. Um, Benel Dariush, Matus Gamera. Didn't see this going that way. I'll be honest. I'm a fool. Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, this was, this was what I alluded to when I said I made a bad bet. Yeah, uh, Matouche was not the side. I don't no. know if I'm going to start uh, giving Benil to the respect he de- deserves, but man, what an impressive showing. And I think he's, does he get a bonus? Nope. No bonus there. Ooh, that that's disappointing for me. Here, here's my problem, Dan. I watched with my own eyes, a Benel Darius draw to Evan Dunham an Edson Barbosa flying knee when he shot and a knockout from Alexander Hernandez, which has aged horribly. And now I just have a problem. He's on an absolute shred of a run. Tiago Moises, I respect a lot. Drew Dobra, I respect a lot. Drakkar Close, which he was wobbled in that fight though. But you work your way up and, and none of the names, you know, washed up Tony, none of the names are close to that of Mateus Gamrat. So is it, was it a style make fight type thing or is Matu, cause Matus beat, beat air quotes, but beat Armin. I feel like if Armin was to fight Benil, Armin would be minus. I think Benil's, Benil's got that Bilal in him. He's just as smart as it comes and you yeah. cannot break that kind of style because he's game everywhere and he's got the game plan. He does. He does. And so I'm looking for great things. I know he, was supposed to fight Islam, had an injury. Clearly, injury is not affecting him. Um, I, I, I expect him to get that Islam shot soon, very soon. Yeah. No, and I know there's we're a long not. line, though. There's a line for him to get a shot with that lightweight belt. I know, and it's already – We'll set. get there. I know. It, it will get there. It's, star- it's starting the wrong way. Split decision. Sugar Sean O'Malley beat Piotr Jan. Dan, talk about it. Because I, I have to. Yeah, you do. I, I mean, I had Jan, and I know Kobe had Jan, and I know you had Jan, and I know 30 out of 30 MMA uh, people who in the, in the journalist community had Jan. Um, but two judges there had Sugar, so here we sit. And I did say last week, and I did place with my own money the biggest recorded bet of the history of this podcast for me. Um, and sadly... I lost it. It's it. There's no two ways about that. All respect to Sean O'Malley, who fought the best fight of his young career. I think that's um, an important point that that it's not getting enough credit. Sean O'Malley deserves none of the hate that's going around on the internet in general, and not and it's not really directed at him, but he's getting a lot of it because of the way that the fought, fight played out. He fought a great fight. I don't think anybody thinks he won it except for those two judges that ended up giving it to him. But Danny said it. Danny said it. We want none of the hate to Sean O'Malley. Yeah, no, definitely. It's uh, it's he fought the best fight of his young career. He just didn't win any of those rounds. If you're going to tell me he won the third, I'll, I'll talk to you. And, and he did outstrike Fielder in the third. Round two minutes of ground control is two minutes of ground control out of five. And it's it's tough to upon rewatch. Even it's tough to tell me that. Sean O'Malley won a single round yeah. of that fight. So I was, I, I don't know if you guys noticed, I was, I, my internet pooped for a sec. I thought Dan was gone and I was like, here we go, Dan. Turns out it was me. Uh, I was frozen as a mug, but something. So were the, so the judges. 
Right. Someone, someone I was watching with made a really good point. So should, uh, Piotr Jan had seven minutes of control time, kind of divided up evenly between the three rounds. That's half the fucking fight. So, mm-hmm. so if, if you are in control for half the fight and, and you're not wet blanketing the guy, you're landing strikes. And he didn't get pieced up at any point. He got outstruck in the third for sure. And he yeah. caught, he got cut up by that sharp knee. Really, really precision is Sean O'Malley's key. I think the big takeaway is this. I think the community and everyone believes that Piotr won. But the big takeaway that my I bookie would, don't. The big yeah, my bookie doesn't either. But the big takeaway for me is that Sugar is better than I ever thought he was, and that he can hang with the elite of the elite. I never thought he could. I always thought he was trash. But he's you know why this thing's so bad is because I've been the one defending him forever. I know I've been the one saying that once he gets taken down by a guy as elite as Piotr, he won't be like uh, he won't be a fish out of water. He's gonna. I've got his autograph right up here. Where is it? Sugar Sean in a grappling tournament because I know this guy can fucking hang, and he proved it. But he all he did was hang. For me, yeah. it, it, that, and that's really all I can I say. And, and it's no, and I believe in my heart of hearts that Piotr's the best bantamweight on earth. So hanging with that is fine, but apparently, apparently he won, and Danny and I's bankroll took a fucking bat to the gut. Speaking of bankrolls, 50K both ways, fight of the night there. So that's fight of the night. Okay, I'm fine with that. Piotr probably is not as mad as I thought he would be. You have to pay Piotr. Yeah. The UFC uh, stole so much money from him the last two fights, last three fights. So this is a hindsight easiest bet on earth, and especially if you knew about the Dillashaw injury, but Aljamain Sterling just dis- dismantles 36-year-old TJ. TJ did have a shoulder dislocation issue. Apparently it was persistent through camp. But, yeah, I mean, Aljo just dismantled him. Real quick while we're in between the Piotr and Aljo, what a sliding doors moment that was, the uh, – the, the illegal knee in that Piotr Aljo won. Yep. The trajectory of both their careers have changed so much. Without that knee, I know Piotr yep. coasts to a decision. He never fights Aljo again. He defends against Corey. He defends against who knows? Maybe oh. Marab. Marab! No, all true that. Everything you're saying is true. Yet. Here we sit. Yet here we sit. How does the commission not catch the TJ injury shoulder? So it sounds like it sounds like everyone knew, and it's it's because they oh, really? well they told the ref in advance, hey, to like look out, I've got a shoulder that doesn't work, and I didn't do any bag work to warm up, or I didn't do any pad work. Um, it sounds like in the pre-fight physical they knew, and they said like, oh, he's a fighter. So how does the fight go? Well, I, I heard explain from, that. it sounded like from Dana that TJ just didn't say anything. But again, Dana's cryptic. But again, okay, hold on. We're 20 minutes into the recap. Let's keep, let's keep going. TJ just didn't say anything. Aljo looked dominant. Okay, Islam submits. Submits Charles DuBronx Oliveira. Ankle lock advances to 12 and 1. Islam is that guy. He's smash. Hope y'all enjoyed getting Islam with a one in front of his name. Ridiculous. Yeah. Last time in the history. He's the best in the world, period. Pound for pound, number one. Now, here's my question. 
I mean, it won't really matter. But so basically, if you weren't, if you turned it off after the fight, you were sad, Brian, whatever. Alexander Volkanovsky comes into the ring. They make a big thing that in Sydney, Australia, let's let's put pound for pound and 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 the I believe the fifty five strap on the line. You think Islam's the favorite in that fight? By a lot. Oh yeah, and it's not a one. Wow. See, I thought. Wow. People, people, people are hot in the streets about Volk. Oh my gosh, we've seen the Dagestani rush though. Wow. I'm excited that that's at the spread. We might have to do it sooner than later. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, long story short. I hope they fight it in Hearth. I hope that's in February because that's a quick turnaround time here. You know what though? I'm excited for a true super fight that doesn't involve Conor McGregor's name. I'm I'm with that. It's it's the new wave. So so 50k more. Yeah, performance bonus to Islam. Okay. We mentioned the ankle lock, 12 and one. We remain in first place. Second place was also on Islam at a slightly better number. We had 160. They had 152. Okay. Um, carcasses all over the rest of the board, though. It's a two horse race. Um. Lastly. While we're on it, so uh, Islam looked as dominant as ever. Apparently, two of the three ankle pickers think there's going to be two in that super fight, and we're aiming for February. Kobe, you know what time it is. There's notes. Yep, let's run through it. Um, so I guess some takeaways first. This is this is coming from two, two news and notes items from the presser from Dana after UFC 280. Um no interim featherweight title while Volk's fighting at lightweight. That's straight out of the horse's mouth of Dana, which that sucks. I hate. It's just I holding agree. things up. It doesn't mean anything. It's a way to sell. I don't understand. No, I agree with that, but I personally hate interim. I think it's the dumbest thing ever. Because it doesn't mean yeah. anything. We've seen interim's champions not even get the next title shot. Like, it doesn't mean anything. Another one straight out of Dana's mouth. He unprovoked mentioned Cejudo as a potential next opponent for Aljo, which is weird for me to hear him say that unprovoked rather than just, you know, answering a question about it. Dan, you know, do you find Cejudo fucking annoying? Of course. I think the majority of the world finds Cejudo fucking annoying, but he's as good as they come. I I don't want that to be overlooked by people who have, have are newer fans of the sport or weren't around when he was a double champ, but he is as good as they come. I'm just annoyed because it's like we knew the retirement was BS. I didn't expect it to last this long. Well, the retirement was always kind of a power play that never was going to happen because he was never a draw, but he thought his skill was going to overpower that. I don't know. I'm excited for that fight because we talk about TJ as an anti-wrestler. There's no way Aljo is the better grappler against a Henry Sudo. It just doesn't happen. Well, we'll I hope we get it. I really do hope we get that one. We might. We probably, honestly, we probably will because you're not going to run Jan back. I I think they're going to give O'Malley a different fight. You heard Dana said he's not, he, he said the winner was going to get the title shot, not knowing that Sean was going to win. <laughs> and Marab's not going to fight Aljo. So you're at a spot where you can make matches 
without while, while I'm Aljo, I don't if I'm Aljo, I don't say yes to that fight. I say feed me Sean O'Malley. Really? So give me him. Why not? Because Aljo is still to this day the most disrespected champion of all 100%. time. And it's yeah. not his fault. Every single fight, including yeah. this one, it's like, oh, but he but he didn't really win versus Jan or Oh, but TJ tore the shoulder. Oh, he's taking a dive with the this and that. And it's every single one. The guy now had three title fights he's won. At the risk of dragging this on more, this sucks for Cheetah. Yeah. He's a guy that's going to get overlooked for Sean O'Malley now. But what if they run back Cheetah O'Malley? I've seen a lot of That's a great option. Yeah, that is a great option. But then you leave other guys in the dust. Like, Marab, Marab, for example. But Marab Piotr, that would be a true test. I would love to see that. I think Piotr I almost, wins. I almost don't want that for Piotr, but I do think he wins it. I think Piotr wins that. And I'm a Marab. I suck Marab's toes. I think I used to that. talk about this fight a whole lot, but if that fight ever gets booked, go watch Piotr Jan Magomed Magomedov. Both of them. So Magomed Magomedov had a lawsuit. Speaking of Magomed Magomedov, Magomed Magomed Karimov mm. set for eleven twenty five PFL World Championship PFL debut for him. I saw that. If you're keeping track of the Magomeds, you've already known. If you're not treating back, yeah, keeping track of the Magomeds, you probably don't even know which one this is, and so that's fine. Um, keeping it rolling here. I've got a bunch to announce for UFC two eighty two December off, 10th. Like, just rip through them. Patty Pimblett announced versus Jared Gordon. I think that that was rumored for a while, right? Yeah, we never mentioned it, but someone announced it, and then it was like, "No, I haven't signed anything." And then it was this; it went back and forth. But I think that that was the fight from going on like five or six months ago when uh, I think Robbie Fox was interviewing Dana, and the uh, and that was when all the like war room stuff got leaked. Remember? Oh, that's possible. That was so long ago, right? I, I genuinely think that that's the matchup he told Robbie for Patty because Patty's like a barstool guy. Um, yeah. And then it was all like every both sides were like, I didn't sign anything. I don't lose to me this and that. But it's funny that this fight's the actual one that's getting made. Um, Raul Rosas Jr. versus Jay Perrin. Raul Rosas is, was 17 years old when he got his contract from Dan White Contender Series. Turned 18 actually earlier this month. Excited to see him again. He, I mean, he looked as good as like literally as good as anyone I've ever seen. Will be the youngest UFC fighter to ever step in an octagon. Or Jay Perrin. He's fucked. <laughs> um, one that was rumored and then not rumored and then rumored again and then now signed for 282, Bryce Mitchell, Ilya Topuria. Cannot wait for that one. And that's at 55, correct? Oh, I didn't have that written down, but I'll, I'll take your word on it. Well, Bryce Mitchell's at 55. I don't, in it's short notice, I don't think that Topuria can get to 45. Didn't he miss? He's fought at both 45 and 55, obviously, but I don't think he'd get 45 in that short of distance. I think that was the hang up with the initial rumor and whatnot. Mm. Bryce Mitchell, one of those guys, I love him, but he needs to stay off social, man. This is a tough matchup for him. I will say. Yeah, it is. Wait, for Ilya? For, For both guys. Yeah, I think Ilya Thompson, to be honest. You mean Bryce, or you think Ilya Thompson? I think Ilya Thompson. Really? I think it's a because really think, tough matchup for both guys. I think the stand-up for – I give Ilya 
massive stand-up advantage. And I think that Ilya hangs with him on the map. Um, if it goes there. Bo Nickel injury out of 282, but he's still rebooked against Jamie Pickett still for 285. So that's all the way out in March. Yeah, Jamie Pickett had no choice. Sorry for Jamie Pickett. What are my limits on every single book? If you want to pay the 2200 I might even house it. Last piece of, I guess, no news for 282. Um, and Glover was announced as the main event for 282, so that means no John Jones versus Stipe. We, we had some noise from John Jones earlier this week where he said that he was ready and willing to sign, and Stipe, it falls in his court, and then no dice. But you never know. They, that, speaking of guys that need to stay off socials. That's such a tough one. Because I, I would love to see John Jones fighting. He's someone who I think, if you ignore kind of all the exterior, is the pound for pound goat. But am I excited? Do I think that we're going to ever see it? Like at this point, I'm not holding my breath. Um, last piece of news and notes here Brandon Royval stepping in for Alex Prez, who is out. So now it's Brandon Royval versus Amir Albazi, December 17th. That's going to be a fight night card. Good for Royval. Top for Royval, though. That's it for news and notes. All right. Well, before we move into next week, I know that the Piotr Jan fight was a really bad taste in everyone's mouth. And speaking of that, we've got this week's episode brought to you, as always, by our favorite liquor, Jepson's Malort. There wasn't a Malort bet on that Piotr Jan fight, but, man, I walked away from that decision. I mean, you, Reese, you said it. The second they said split, I felt the Malort, Malort in my mouth. And um, shout out to them, though. They are our favorite liquor. Whether or not we enjoy drinking it, they are our favorite. And... Um, Go ahead. I was just going to say, if you listen to a betting pod, which if you're here, you do, it is the best way to gamble with your buddies. I mean, on this podcast specifically, I do not have more fun than Malort bets. That, that needs to be a thing universally. It is phenomenal. You know, it is. Is, it's too good for some people. People have that taste aversion of the grapefruit liqueur. Some people just get overwhelmed by the aroma. But yeah. Jepson's Malort, grapefruit liqueur based out of Chicago, Illinois. It has the aroma and full-bodied flavor of an unusual botanical. Try it straight, take a shot, and show off your Malort face. Its bitter taste is savored by two-fisted drinkers. So shout out Malort. Dan, you mentioned the split decision. I got something to nibble on. I think that every time I've heard a split decision read by Bruce Buffer or anybody, Joe Martinez, whatever it is, the loser of the fights announced first. Something to nibble on. Keep an eye on. Tickler file. Um, moving on to this week, though. UFC Vegas 63 yeah. oh, back in questions. Apex. 3 p.m. Central Time prelims. 6 p.m. Central Time main card. This one is headlined by Calvin Kaner, Arnold, Arnold Allen. It is. And is it in? It is in Vegas. So, what number Vegas is this, Kobe? You, you're the one who's got that. Six three. Sixty three. So we'll start with Joshua Weems. Joshua Weems first. Christian Rodriguez. That's the curtain jerker. And Joshua Weems is plus three hundred. Christian Rodriguez 
minus 365. Dan, if you've done taping, you kind of get why, and I know you have done taping. Um, but this opened at Christian Rodriguez minus 160. And so you what was that like three days ago? I just feel like this is such a short notice fight. October 25th, it opened at plus 140 for Joshua Wee. So just yesterday. So just yesterday. And it has just gone off the wagons since then. Um, I mean, it's more just like we know what Christian Rodriguez brings because the JSP fight. JSP himself said that was a tough fight for me. He was, mm-hmm. he was, he was a, he is, he, he over, he over exceeded his expectations. Now I don't know anything about this, this Joshua Weems guy, other than he fought Mo Miller um, at Fury FC. Apparently he was in some bare knuckle boxing bouts, but I don't know. Vegas seems to be giving him more of a chance than the sharps. I, uh, yeah. I, I tend to line with the Sharps here. It's it's a case of like, you look at the people that are fighting bare knuckle and it's not yeah. the people that ever consider themselves an actual shot at being a ranked fighter. It's usually people past their prime or people that couldn't make it. And a quick guillotine over an, a very, very green, but very, a lot of potential fighter, Mo Miller. He's what got his name on the map, but for me, it doesn't do enough. I think that Weems is going to try to grapple him because it seems like he's got some decent submissions or, or, or at least some submission victories on his record, but we saw it's not so easy. If JSP is not going to have an easy time, I don't think this Weems kid is. No. And on the feet, I've got C-Rod. I don't disagree. Um, so Parlay piece for me. Even at this 350, whatever, parlay piece. Might be worth getting on now, though, with how fast that thing's moving. Yep. Cody Durden's taking on Carlos Mata, Mota. Um, and that line is Carlos Mota minus 165. Cody Durden, the veteran, plus 140. This line to open, Dan, at Cody Durden minus 145. And has flipped on its head. Um, this one also opened recently. Uh, looks like earliest data seems to be from Monday, the 24th. So, yep. These, so, this is the second late edition fight to this card. Um, even when we recorded this at the spread a couple of days ago, neither of these fights were scheduled on Cody Durden was scheduled to fight tonight against Clayton Rodriguez and Rodriguez withdrew. So Cody's been in fight camp while uh, Moda has kind of come off the, the bench here as LFA champion. It's just interesting that the line would have flipped on its head because my first instinct is, oh, Cody Durden, veteran of the sport, like you said, in a training camp, you would think that the Vegas line at 145 isn't a bad line, but it's it's flipped on its head here. Now we see Mata as high as minus 165. So I'm really intrigued, and I'm not looking past Mata. He's a Brazilian animal. I mean, the, the guy can bang. He's going to start fast. He hits hard. Um, he's kind of got that shoot to box style. I don't think he trains there, but it, it's, it's a little bit of a killer be killed and he's dynamic. Um, on the other hand, Cody, like you said, he's a veteran and I'm intrigued as this number keeps growing. If it gets up to that 155, 160 area, I'm going to have to play. And, and I do like this Cody side. He's the better grappler for sure. Obviously has more experience. Um, came in on very short notice against Gutierrez and absolutely owned him in the first round. I think it was a 10-8 as a huge dog. 
Um, the Jimmy Flick fight, he was winning until that flying triangle happened. And I, I just don't see many people in the world, not Carlos Moda having a flying triangle in their arsenal. And then Mohamed Mokayev. That's just not a bad loss at all. No, it's, it's not. And I, I probably will tail you in on that dirt inside. If I thought the 145 on his end wasn't a bad line, getting him at a, at, at a dog is something that probably will intrigue me. Especially if they keep steaming. 100%. Chase Hooper, uh, a guy that I feel like we haven't seen much of. He, he definitely went back on the region, or not regional scene, but he went back, trained hard. He's a young kid, was like the youngest rostered fighter for a while, struggled. He's back against Steve Garcia at 145. And the line for this one is Chase Hooper minus 295, Steve Garcia plus 245. Chase Hooper, though, opened with a one in front of it, uh, 184. Um, and that was in the beginning of October. So a lot of Chase Hooper. Now, Chase Hooper is a little bit more popular. The fact that he's only 23 and was signed at 21 and has had a couple fights and is a ridiculous grappler where Steve Garcia is more your run-of-the-mill, just dog. You know what I mean? People don't really know about know much about him, but he's a dog. Um, so I wonder if the popularity is playing a factor. But yeah, I mean, it's you're seeing 280 on Hooper's side. Am I wrong for thinking that Raul Rosas already looks more physically imposing no. than Chase Hooper? No, you're not wrong. And there's like a six-year difference there. Like I always thought like, oh, Chase Hooper will grow into his body. He'll look like a man eventually. I don't know if that's... I, I just don't know. Yeah. I mean, he's fighting at 145. Has that always – has he always been a featherweight? Yeah. Okay. So, there's not going to be too much meat on the bones. But, I mean, this Steve Garcia – But he is fight, a pretty big featherweight. That That's overlooked a little bit because of his boyish, like, whatever, Jesse Eisenberg-ish sure. looks. Yeah. Um, But it, he, he is kind of big for 145. Yeah. I mean, and, and – I mean, he clearly will have the grappling advantage on most, if not everybody. And the Polaris fight, he was really impressive with the wrestling. And that's always, for me, been one of the biggest drawbacks to him with. He's always been great at using his limbs, using his dexterity to get these really slick submissions if he can get it there. Um, And that's kind of always been the key. But I, I... I was impressed by the Kolaris fight. I do think he's coming into his own, and I kind of do think Steve Garcia is ass. I think if you can get plus money on the inside right. of distance here, I think I think it could be. See, I think Steve Garcia is, is a dog. I mean, he trains out of Jackson Wink. He's his regional, if you want to call it regional. Um, like, he, he, he hasn't been fighting bums his whole career. He fought Ricky Turcio, Tercios. He fought Ronnie Lawrence. He fought a lot. I mean, he got backpacked for a round and a half by Luis Pena. That's going to fight Chase Hooper. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I mean, you could probably get in the – I don't know. Let's check. I mean, the end of the distance line or by sub line might not be out. We're recording this Wednesday night. But Hooper wins inside the distance is plus. You can get plus 120 on that, Dan. Um, that, that'll at least see a unit. That, uh, that's okay. a guarantee. Okay, there you go, listeners. So we got something out of this. Something out of this nothing. Um. Joseph Holmes has taken on Jung Young Park at 185 and Dan's favorite fighter. And, and he's a huge believer in Joseph Holmes. So seeing Joseph Holmes at plus 200 here, <laughs> that was a joke. If you couldn't tell in my voice, uh, Joseph Holmes. Bro, plus 
I'm, I was about to shout out Joseph Holmes. I met him at UFC Austin. He was a really nice dude. Oh, sure he is. Yeah. No, like an absolute shout out to Joseph Holmes. I hope we can get you on the pod soon. I talked to you a little bit about it at UFC Austin. If you rec- if, if you remember, I'm sure you're listening. But uh, <laughs> yeah, we're big fans. Well, Jung Young Park is minus 240. Joseph Holmes plus 200. Joseph Holmes opened at plus 195, so not a ton of movement. I mean, Dan, you've obviously laid your bias out on the table. But for me, Joseph Holmes lost to Jamie Pickett, and that's a problem. Um, And so I I like Jung Young Park. I I think I even like it at the minus 240. Not going to lie to you. I will say that I'm fairly certain. Let me double check on it. I think that Holmes has a pretty significant reach advantage here and that so the Holmes Iron Turtle did, is very hittable. So Holmes has an 80-inch reach. Iron Turtle's got 73, so it is quite massive. It's a pretty significant reach advantage. And a guy in, in the Iron Turtle that's as hittable as he is, I don't know. I don't, I don't like the idea of laying minus 250 on Jung. I would like to mention, though, that the Iron Turtle is no stranger to having a reach disadvantage. I would like to mention that because he's fought Tefan Chukwi. He's fought Gregory Rodriguez. I know that didn't go his way. Um, but even Martin then, Chukwu. even then, he was he was very close to winning that Gregory Rodriguez fight or kind of let it slip. Yeah, until he didn't. But, yeah, I mean, I, I think Iron Turtle – He's not flashy by any means, very hittable, like you said, but usually gets in there and gets the job done. I mean, he beat Eric Anders. He it's beat tough him. because when I think Jung Young Park, I think, oh, he's so tough. But when I'm thinking how tough a guy is, it, it really means usually, he's getting hit a lot. Doesn't void well. Any play here for you or no? No, sir. No, sir. So in advance. Andre Orlovsky is taking on Marcos Rogerio de Lima. Yes. Andre Orlovsky and Andre Orlovsky's plus 205. Uh, Ra- uh, Marcos Rodrigo de Lima minus 245. Uh, and this opened as Andre Orlovsky only plus 111, Dan. And so people are selling the bag on the 43 year old first bout Hall of Famer Andre Orlovsky. Do you see it differently? Um, you know, I'm very tempted to bet Andre Orlovsky. And we've talked about it for a couple weeks now. Our bias comes in a little bit, just being fans of the sport for forever. And a lot of times there are guys that are way past their prime, clinging on to something that's not there. They get tagged early and they're not durable. I don't know if Andre Arlovsky falls into that category. He's been this this second resurgence of Andre Arlovsky, kind of his older version of Andre Arlovsky since the Aspinall choke, I want to say. He's used volume and he's used his footwork to kind of exploit these just less experienced heavyweights. And I'm hesitant to say that Rogerio de Lima is anywhere of an elite heavyweight. I really don't know. And um, I think that he's got a lot of huge holes in his game. And so I'm very tempted for this Andre Olovsky by decision play. You're actually kind of, so you stole the words out of my mouth. Uh, Andre Lofsky by decision. I think it goes similarly to the Blagoy Ivanov fight. And I think that, I mean, taking, getting three to one on Andre Lofsky by decision. I don't hate that. I really don't. And I hate fading the sharp movement, but I don't know, man. I think Orlovsky 
this is a good spot for him. And I think the UFC continues to give him good spots because, you know, they don't mind. I mean, he, he puts butts in seats still. I know he's 43. I know it's a boorish fight, but he, he's, a, he's one of the guys that, that if you're a hardcore fan, you're excited to see Andre Olosky. But it's, it's one of those recipes that I mention a whole lot. And obviously every fight is styles make fights. If the matchup, it's, it should be taken in a vacuum. But why on earth is Marcos Rajari de Lima minus like 250 favorite over anyone on the roster? It's just not a place where anyone should be comfortable betting, especially with the volatility and the variability that comes with a heavyweight fight. I just don't like it. I'm inclined to agree with you. I'm inclined to agree with you. And we've talked about this lesson a lot where it's like, you might want to bet against a certain guy. He might be on your fade radar, but if the guy he's fighting is also trash, you can't lay the 300 or 280 on a guy who also should never be that price. And that's where a lot mm-hmm. of people run into a problem. Roman Delidze takes on Phil Hawes in what looks like the prelim uh, main event or the prelim capper here. Delidze Hawes. And I think Dan stole this point for me on set the spread. Spoiler alert. But Phil Hawes is minus 170. Roman Delidze plus 145. This open though is Roman Delidze minus 135. So with so it opened on the 9th and by the 11th of October it was already Phil Hawes minus 180 and it's kind of tapered since then. So a lot of really early action came on the side of Phil Hawes and then and then just tapered out. And so the question really is you're looking at two guys who are just ridiculously strong in their own right, phenomenal grapplers in their own right and have wins that are impressive and losses that I'm sure they want to erase, or I guess in Delizze's case, one loss that he gave away um, against Trevin Giles. But Phil Hawes is definitely the toughest test. I kind of lean the side of Hawes, but I don't like the idea of paying that steep of a favorite price. So ultimately I'm laying off. I'm there with you. Phil Hawes is a guy who I've wanted to be good for forever. He's got Division One wrestling. He's yep. built like a tank. He can. He has one punch knockout power. He's got fast combinations. Sounds like he's a top five challenger or should be ranked. Problem is he has zero durability. He has zero reliability. Zero game plan. The spot that I'm looking at here for a little sprinkle is the Delize inside the distance plus three fifty. I think that if he wins, he stops. Uh, um, if he wins, he stops Phil Hawes either by submission or by knockout. And I think that as long as this fight, as long as both guys stay on their like on their feet or composed or bleh, as long as it goes to a decision, it's Phil Hawes's to lose. I do kind of like that, Dan. You can get a 350 on delete say inside the distance. I'm seeing on uh fight odds.io at Bet online plus three forty sport bet five dimes three forty. Hey, yeah, that's good enough for me. I I think I might find myself sprinkling in that spot as well. That's a that's an attractive spot there. We've seen that he's got the submissions that yeah at some at sometimes are a detriment to him when I'm talking those heel hooks against Trevin Giles that might have lost in the fight. But it 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 takes a certain kind of guy to go for those heel hooks and look at your coach and say, hey coach, should I sub him? <laughs> Knowing like you're that confident, bro. Like, okay, brother. Um, 
I think he can finish anyone. I do. I don't disagree with you. And we saw that his striking's come together too with that Dawkins finish as well. All right, let's get into this main card. Dustin Jacoby takes on Cleo Roundtree. Dustin Jacoby, decorated striker in his own right, finds himself as the favorite, minus 170 against Cleo Roundtree, plus 145. Dan, I like Dustin Jacoby here. It opened at Dustin Jacoby at minus 185, went to Dustin Jacoby minus 200 early, has tapered back. So it's kind of where it opened. I think Dustin Jacoby proved himself even more so um, in his Dao Jung fight. Um, to me, I believe he was a dog in that fight. But to me, no, yeah, he's plus 100. But to me, he, he's proven himself. For those who don't know, he has a lengthy kickboxing background. And he's starting to look like a true martial artist. Um, and I don't think Khalil is going to mix in the takedowns, which, which leads me to believe that Jacoby can get it done on the feet. I don't know if I'm going to bet it. I'm scared to lay minus 170. But I, I, I do think Jacoby will be the victor. You know, I tend to agree with you. I said on the set the spread that there's levels to this game, and that's kind of what this one feels like. But I really, really am gonna lay off. It's just um, scary. Yeah. Jacoby has more kickboxing experience. Jacoby has the cardio advantage. Jacoby has the as just the MMA experience advantage too. Um, Khalil Roundtree is dangerous. Very dangerous cat. Yeah, he's the one strike guy that you talk about where you could Jacoby could be dismantling him from range and just one body kick one i mean those kicks that he has sounds like fucking baseball bats uh, honestly but, uh, just jacoby's so technical i mean like I this is another one where the longer the fight goes it's jacoby's to lose but in that first round khalil is game khalil is dangerous and khalil can take him out as def- defensively sound as he is for sure. For sure. You're, I, I, you know what? It, it, units co- are too hard to come by. I probably won't lay Jacoby, but I do think he will be the victor. So if you're, if you are someone who wants to degen every fight, I, I think this one's one where you're probably going to want to find yourself on that Jacoby side. Treshawn Gore is taking on Josh Frem. This found itself on the main card. Josh Frem had a, uh, a loss to Anthony Hernandez, even though he was just a massive human being. But Josh Friend finds himself at minus 150. Treshawn Gore plus 130. The line opened at Friend minus 220. So not a lot of love on the side of Treshawn Gore. Not that he deserves a and lot it keeps, of But it keeps moving in Treshawn's direction. It does. Because there's, I think people, especially because he was on the Ultimate Fighter, keep seeing a, a potential, a ceiling for Treshawn Gore that's high. But getting blown up by Cody Brundage, losing to Brian Battle, now taking on Josh Frem. I mean, he's fighting for his contract here. He really is. And at 3-2 and two in MMA, not that Josh Frem is some wily old veteran, but we talk about it. I mean, we said it to a fight ago. There's levels to this game, and it's you can't come on with sheer athletic and raw ability at the highest level like the UFC and expect to just coast. Sure. So I'm on Josh Fremd for two units. 
Okay. This is my only multi-unit bet at this point. This is my favorite in the clubhouse for our lock of the night, even though we haven't discussed it yet. Like you said, experience is the currency of this sport. And as much as Treshawn has been in the public eye, he is as green as they come and has gotten vet lessons in his last two fights by non-veterans. And although Josh Fremd is not some like savvy vet, he's done this sport right. Yeah. He went what? Uh, eight and two amateur. Um, no more, probably 10 and two versus uh, three and one for Treshawn Gore, who then went, I, I heard this story yesterday um, from someone else in the industry but at NFC 95, this is an Atlanta, like an Atlanta, Georgia based regional fight um, promotion. He was supposed to rematch Robert Hale, who he had just lost to in his first pro fight. And while warming up, had like had this adrenaline dump and ran himself into a door and knocked himself out backstage, maybe 30 seconds before making the walk. And so Robert Hale is in the octagon waiting for Treshawn to make the walk. And he's like lying in his locker room unconscious. And that's why the fight got canceled. I think that this guy is, is a just, he's a ball of muscle and he's got all this potential and he's been told this for forever, but he's never handled his career. Correct. It's, it's always been too much too soon. It's always been, give me the most next. And, and that, and then that usually lies with who he surrounds himself with. I mean, he's a freak athlete. I don't want to, to jump over that. But if you have everyone around you saying you're the best, you're the front runner to win this show. You're when he got hurt and after beating Gilbert Urbini got hurt, got canceled Brian battle. When he came into that, he genuinely believed he was the champ of the ultimate fighter. And when you have a lot of yes men, it's hard to grow. And like you said, I mean, Josh Friend, seven and two on the regional scene before making his nine and two professional MMA debut, there is a massive experience advantage on the side of it. And you know what's crazy? Mm-hmm. You have to go all the way back to his, what is it, fourth amateur fight to find someone he's fought with a losing record. Talk about a guy whose gym speaks highly of him who's confident, who knows he's a contender, who knows he's building himself the right way. I mean, he's fighting Hobo Cop on the regional scene. Gregory Rodriguez. I it, I, I'm a big Josh Fremd fan here. I think he's got the grappling advantage. You talked about him being 6'4", which is huge, huge for this are weight. You, and Are you worried about the speed disadvantage, though, Dan? Because Treshawn's... You know, anyone can get caught here. Anyone can go get caught in this game. More just getting peppered to a decision is what I worry about. But I think he'll be able to mix in the grappling and it won't be so much of a problem. So we, we saw a guy in Brian Battle who's not very fast, completely outworked Trace on Gore. Josh Rems shouldn't have. Well, this is kind of a good segue, Dan, because something a spot I was eyeing is actually in this fight. Waldo Cortez Acosta is taking on Jared Vandera. Uh, and Waldo Cortez minus 195 over on DraftKings, Jared Vandera plus 165. Uh, Waldo Cortez actually opened at plus 130 and just got smashed into oblivion 
now finds himself at minus 195. I believe he will close even higher. Um, my problem, Dan, is I'm just like an all-out seller on Jared Vandera. I I know you used to kind of not go for, to bat for him, but you used to kind of like say he was okay. Dude, Jared Vandera lost to Chase Sherman. Jared Vandera got scarred. Inexcusable. Dude, it, it is he is one and five in his last six. His only UFC wins are Justin Taffa and Harry Hunsucker. Waldo Cortez, Acosta, you might not know of him unless you watch Contender Series. He was an LFA guy. Don't know if he ever became LFA champ. Um, but he is a – he has a boxing background. He has an amateur fight career. He is a – humongously jacked ripped human being at the ripe age of 31 6 4 78 inches i think he absolutely dismantles this fool i think it's going to be a finish i wish i saw the line open at him as a dog i would have smashed the shit out of that i don't not that i even ever had really an opportunity because on DraftKings it just opened at like the 95 like it basically opened at 130 and it was like within three hours, it was at 195. But I think, Dan, and again, I'm not, uh, I'm not God or anything. I can't see the future. But I wouldn't be surprised if Waldo Cortez closes north of minus 250. That's genuine. I genuinely believe that's what we'll see. Um, and I don't think Vandera really has anything for him. I mean, if you are getting stouched and finished by Chase Sherman, Waldo Cortez, first round, uh, knockout. So you think that first round, I was kind of looking at this over one and a half thinking as bad as Vandera is, he survives. I mean, Olenek's really the only guy to put him out in the under one and a half. And obviously Olenek, if, if you get caught in, in an Olenek well, boa constrictor constriction, this it's is over. Even, this is even less about Vandera and more about uh, Waldo is just the fact that like he's coming off contender series Finished a guy in the first round, um, a nine and one Danilo Suzar too, who's not, who's, who's, I mean, on the UFC radar and, and we'll probably see him in the UFC shortly finished him in the first round. Uh, he's on a three fight finishing streak and was knocking guys out in boxing too. I, I, I think Vandera's fucked. I think Vandera is going to get pink slipped. And I think that, I respect your over. The over could hit. Vendera could outlast him, but I wouldn't put my money there. Um, and this is one that I was kind of eyeing as a safer, like, let's get the ankle lock under 200, survive in advance type thing. But again, I mean, Waldo's extremely green. Uh, green in the sense of this is his UFC debut, not green in the fight world. Uh, I mean, LFA, uh, he was on in Bellator. LFA's as good as they come. He was in boxing. He is a boxing, and he had a lengthy uh, five, six fight amateur uh, fights too. So he's kind of been in and out of all of it. But yeah, I I think he stouches this guy. Six four, seventy eight inches. Everything on tape proves to me that he can. He's technical enough to get it done. Vendera's a big heavyweight. He's six four, eighty in his own right. But it's it's just Chase Sherman beat his ass, dude. 
beat his ass. He's fucked. He's going to get smashed. Sorry. I, I, I just, no, no, I, I respect it. And I'm probably going to stay away from the over because of it. I just, I get the heebie-jeebies laying fat juice for heavyweights. I really do. I mean, you know Jamal Pogues, right? He fought in the Contender Series, finished Vandera twice uh, as an amateur. Vandera got finished by – no, he got triangle choked by Hennon Ferreira. I mean, that's not a slouch or anything. That's not a big deal, but I did not know that. But he comes into the UFC, beats Harry Hunsucker, loses Harry Spivak, beats Justin Taffa, uh, and just gets smoked by anyone above the level of Justin Taffa. Waldo Cortez is above the level of Justin Tava. He's significantly above the level of Chase Sherman. Um, yeah, Vendera is going right. to get dick. Um, so if you – yeah, we might not ankle lock it. We'll let you know if we ankle lock it. But uh, I definitely am on the Waldo Cortez side here, not to go on a rant. Co-main event, 170, Tim Means, Max Griffin, the Battle of the Vets, Dan. This, this has our name written all over it. Max Griffin, minus 190. Tim's mean, Tim Means, plus 160. Opened at Griffin, minus 150. Tim Means, plus 130. So Griffin has seen the money. Um, I have no bet here. I, I think that Griffin is super high IQ, beats up on a lot of the guys who are lower IQ. Unfortunately, that's not Tim Means. Tim Means is definitely on the tail end of his career. I mean, he's got 50 pro fights, but he's always live, in my opinion. I guess if that makes sense. So I'm scared to lay the favorite on Max Griffin, but I also not a believer necessarily on, on Tim Means as laying the dog. But if I had to pick, I'm laying Tim Means, but I'm, I think I'm passing on this one. Yeah, I've got really nothing to add. They're both in their late 30s. I tend to think that Max has more left in the tank in terms of trying to be a ranked fighter or, or trying to make a run, but that's even stretching it. I, I'm not sure that either guy does. Um, yeah, I'm laying off this. Yeah, I don't blame you. All right, let's get to the real meat here, the reason why we're all here. Calvin Cater, number six featherweight in the world, is taking on Arnold Allen, number seven featherweight in the world, 18 and one London man or Great Britain man. Dan, on DraftKings, it's minus 110 each way. Open to cater minus 140. No, open to cater minus 175. My apologies. Um, and has come all the way down to plus one or minus 110 each way. It's a pick on Dan. Where are you picking? So it's tough because I think at these odds I'm passing. Um, if it moves the way it keeps moving, I'll be on Calvin Cater come fight night. Okay. And that's not where I was even a day ago. I think that I'm not I, – I, believe me, I'm not looking past Arnold Allen. I think that he's as, as skilled as they come everywhere. He's, got, he's proved he's got the striking. He's proved he's got the submission skills. Yep. Um, I'm not so sold on the wrestling, but he's good everywhere. He's game everywhere else. Yep. Um. The only drawback for me is the volume. And I think in a five-round fight, a proven Calvin Cater is going to lead the dance, especially in those later rounds. I can almost I can almost count on Arnold grabbing one of the first two and Calvin coming on stronger later. I think this could be a live bet spot for Calvin. But 
I do think that as the steams in Arnold's direction and there's a plus money on Calvin, I'll have to bet it. It's, it's, it's the experience, the volume, the durability. And uh, it's by far the toughest test for Arnold Allen. I know that it's a test he's asked for for a while and it's a test he deserves and it's a, a test he'll probably pass. Um, but I don't like Benny at a minus in front of his name. I really don't. He's just not proven enough. My problem is the MMA analyst in me wants to bet Calvin Cater here. The sports better in me with my sports betting knowledge and how lines move and how lines look and want me to bet Arnold Allen. So I'm probably going to lay off. I don't really see another option, but my problem is I think Calvin Cater is being undervalued. I think he won that Josh Emmett fight. I think a lot of people believe he won that Josh Emmett fight. He came in as a big dog against Giga, got the job done. You look at Arnold Allen, he's been kind of infrequent. He's beaten up on some lower hanging fruit. And I don't mean disrespect by that in any means, but like Dan Hooker, he's a dog. I don't want to take Dan Hooker away, but Dan Hooker in that top 10 range is the lower hanging fruit. So the Dan Hooker that he got too was a compromised Dan Hooker. Like the Dan Hooker, I don't want to say that because that sounds harsh, but the Dan Hooker that fought Dustin Fourier isn't the same one that got chinned by Chandler and then got chinned by by Arnold Allen. Exactly. And you're looking at a guy who who beat up on guys who uh, most people won't know. Mads Burnell. I mean, he's he's had a little bit of research. Good grappler. Yeah, a little bit of resurgence in Bellator as well. Jordan Rinaldi. But he's beating up on Gilbert Melendez, who was 50 at the time. Nick Lentz, who is currently 50. Um, Sadiq Youssef, he underperformed in my opinion. I wanted a much he needed He needed big moments in every single round to, to steal rounds. And they, they got he got him. Like, he dropped him, I wanted to say, in two out of the three. And I think got a pretty big grapple. I, I can't remember what got him the third, but um, I'm just struggling because I'm struggling because I think Calvin Cater. I like Calvin Cater, but the, but the sports better knowledge in me is not allowing me to not take to bet against this Arnold Allen at minus minus one ten. I think as it steams, you're going to have to pull the trigger on Cater. If it gets to 125, 130, that's too much steam. I agree. So we'll close the book there. Stay tuned to all of the socials for the ankle lock. That is the most valuable item. I mean, that is good as gold these days. 12 and 1. Um, up. A, I, think, I think Kobe last quote is 1 bajillion units. So we're 12 and 1 up a bajillion units. So follow the actual number is 43.2 units. It's a big number. Let's get it right. Yeah. I just got my wiener. So we're going to get after it again. Danny and I both tipped our hands a little bit. So we'll get back to the drawing board and, and hammer one home. In the meantime, enjoy the rest of your week, boys. I think we're out. Kobe, you, you ripped a lot of vocals during the news and notes, but Danny and I went back and forth on the set, the spread. So you sign us off today. Hit us with the, the magic word. Poha! Thank you for listening to Believe. 
You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.